Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, brought to you by Zwift. My name is Benji, and today I'm once again doing a solo podcast. Thanks a lot for the support yesterday. Truly appreciate it. Some of you said that I had a bit of a, an announcer voice instead of my usual analysis voice. I'm sorry about that. That's an automatic thing when I talk solo, but I'll try and change it up today. I'll try and be more uh, analysis voice, okay? But uh, once again, your boy is not here. Patrick's not here. He should be back tomorrow or the day after. I hope that he's back soon because I prefer doing it in a duo podcast. To be honest, it's much more fun like that. When it comes to the Dauphiné today, a stage on the menu, we spoke about it yesterday. That is a potential breakaway stage because I saw the opportunity to either both be a reduced bunch sprint again or a breakaway because the parkour shouts for that. Like 40k of flat, then a bit of a climb. Then we've got basically false flat uphill for the last like 100 kilometers, except for the final 10k. That's where it goes downhill with a bit of a bump in the last 5k and then it goes downhill to the line again. So looking at this parkour, you say, okay, that final... A peloton can actually miscalculate the breakaway in that final and that's what i saw looking at the parkour and perhaps that's what occurred in real life as well but when it comes to that let's talk about who's in the initial breakaway okay because there were some names in there pierola once again represented in this breakaway for his kom points for bnb hotels victor lafay of coffers as well bouchard of ajazer bargill of arkea samsic and ferron of total energy but those are five frenchmen we have to get someone else in there andrea bajoli of Quickstep was also there. We know that Bajoli is a pretty fast guy. He was second, I think, behind Magnus Court Nilsson in a sprint, a low-key reduced sprint last year at the Vuelta. And I think he's like properly punchy as well. I think he won a Hill Classic in uh, early season, I think in France, either last year or the year before. But he's not really broken through yet, despite being uh, the talent that he was said to be in his initial years when it comes to his career. But that breakaway, those six riders would be... Uh, having a, a pretty decent gap initially, but then we'd see that the peloton was intrigued to try and keep it relatively stable for a while. And that was bike exchange once again for Grunewagen, despite the climbs being in today's stage. Also, the likes of Bora for Jordi Meus was pacing. We had Hugo Page's team and Tomashe also doing stuff here. So clearly so many teams that were willing to do something, despite having lost from Wout van Aert twice now in a sprint. So intriguing that they are still trying, but... On one end, why not, eh? Like, what else are they going to do? If they don't have other goals in this race, they might as well try it for their youngsters like Nugo Page, like Jordi Meus, and so forth. And when it comes to bike exchange, why not try for Grunewagen? Because he clearly won't do it in the mountain stage that are coming up. So they might as well try something here, to be honest. But I think he said in an interview recently that his legs are better than ever before, like career top. So I don't know. I feel like, again, it's because he should have been at the ZLM Tour, not at the Critéum de Dauphiné. Gros should have been at this race. I think Bike Exchange could have had a much better schedule for their riders, and that's not the case, and they're really not gaining too much as a consequence. But that breakaway, still going with about 30 kilometers to go, with 20k to go, 2 minutes 48-ish is the gap, and it was Jumbo Visma that went to the front of the peloton and decided to start chasing, and it was not necessarily the initial, like, boom, we're going to start chasing for the stage win, because the gap is 248 to 20k to go with the descent I spoke about in the final 10k. So this was going to the breakaway, regardless of who was pacing at that point. So I was a bit on the fence, like, should Yumbo be pacing? Should they not? But they only paced for like a minute because then other teams took over again. And I think it really was because other teams stopped pacing for a bit and Yumbo started pacing. I think that was because they didn't want Bajoli to gain that much in GC. Bajoli started the stage at about 
three, four minutes back, I think, in GC. So if he gained three minutes, then he's going to be in the yellow jersey, most likely. On one end, you could say, Wout is in yellow. Why do they not give the jersey away? But the thing is, like, Wout is significantly ahead of Roglic. So if Bajoli gets the yellow here and gets ahead of Wout, he's also significantly ahead of Roglic. On paper, I'd say that Bajoli wouldn't be an issue in the next two stages, but you never know. So perhaps they wanted to play safe. Bajoli has tried GC at the Vuelta, I think, two years ago. Felt a bit in that sense, but hey, still worthy to play it safe, I guess, from that point onwards. But then something happened in the peloton. We had riders fighting, actually punching each other. I can't wrap my head around it. We've got Juan Sebastian Molano showing up on the left bottom of the screen and going towards Hugo Pash, who I think moved a bit too much to the left on the road and kind of got in the way of Molano. And Molano started, like, probably insulting him based on what I was seeing from the helicopter camera. Maneuvers everywhere. And then he started, like, actually... He punched him in the helmet, I think, based on the helicopter view. And that's not done, okay? That's a pure disqualification. Probably should be suspended for a bit after that. But yeah, that's not okay in a cycling race. He should not be doing that. Hugo Page is a youngster. He can make mistakes when it comes to moving in the peloton. We don't know if that actually led to the punching or what else led to the punching of Molano towards Hugo Page. But that's not done in a cycling race. Molano should be out of this race. And uh, I don't know if that has happened yet because. So far, he is still on the results page, but who knows? He might be DQ'd in the evening. Anyway, before we get to the final, let's talk about our show partner, Zwift. Zwift is an app that makes indoor training more fun. I feel like my most liked capability of it is that we can meet up with people. Every few days, I send a message on Discord to either my friend Guillaume or to Patrick. When do you have time to ride? Let's hop in a meetup. Let's ride together. And it's also fun to challenge each other a bit. Like, for example, we've got this thing where every few days we try and challenge each other on the Volcano KOM. We ride up a volcano on Zwift. Hey, I've been enjoying my Zwift rides. If you want to test it out, go to Zwift.com for a uh, seven-day trial or use the link below. Anyway, going into the final of today's stage, it became clear that the breakaway was most likely going to win this. In the peloton, Yumbo stopped pacing, Yumbo started pacing, and we came down to that descending part at the end of today's stage, a double descent, like a descent part, a little climb, a descent. That's what I mean. And... It looked like in the initial descent, the gap didn't really go down, but on the climb itself, Yumbo seemed to have paced with two riders and bike exchange with one rider, and the gap went instantly to like 48 seconds. And with 5k to go, 48 seconds, everything's possible, but then the road went downhill. And that's when you know if the brake doesn't start surplusing right here in the middle of a descent, they've got this. And it looked like Bargill was the one trying to keep that going. Bouchard tried to go with a move on the right side of the road, but but Jolie was the one jumping on the wheel there. Lafay on the third wheel already directly as well. And the others seemed to have trouble. Valentin Ferrol didn't really have the energy to get to the wheel instantly or took his own tempo. Perhaps tried to play a fake one. And eventually they all came back because the first three didn't really uh, end up getting away. But went into that descent and that's when you know, okay, Bajoli, fastest man ahead. What are the others going to do? Margil? Not pacing, not doing anything, sitting at the back, skipping turns. He's likely going to try and attack somewhere. Valentin Ferrand, not known as the fastest man either, so he got to try something as well. Pierre Olas, same story. When it comes to Bouchard, same story. Like, Lafay is perhaps the one rider where I'm like, he could beat Bajoli in some shape or form if it comes down to a sprint, but it's like, Bajoli is clearly the fastest. So with every attack, the riders would be looking at Bajoli. And those attacks came. 
one attack, another attack, another attack, another attack, and every single time, everybody looked at Bajoli to close it, but Bajoli can't close every move, so it all comes down to the fact of which move is Bajoli going to let go, and we had the breakaway split up on two parts of the road, so four riders on the left, one rider on the right, and Ferrand was at the back, like, looking, okay, when should I make a move? He goes straight through the middle, and Pierola somewhat reacts and then doesn't. Bargill somewhat reacts and then doesn't. They all look at Bajoli again. Lafay on the wheel of Bajoli, and Bajoli tries to close it down, but he doesn't close it down. Ferro instantly has a solid gap, and this is with like 500 meters to go. I'm like, okay, this is the move. This is the move. This gap instantly grows, and Bajoli behind has to make a choice. Either he keeps on pacing to try and go for the win, or he tries to at least get second out of this, and... Looks like he kind of chose the middle way. He kept on pacing a bit, but also kept the energy to sprint afterwards. But I feel like he spent most of his energy right there trying to close down Ferrand, but failing to do so because in the end, Ferrand is the one that wins the stage. He raced straight till the line, then put his hand in the air. No out Fernand mistakes here. No early celebrations. Valentin Ferrand with a late move for Total Energy. A wonderful stage win after Villermoz in yellow earlier this week. So what a ride from this team so far in the Dauphiné. Another beautiful victory by Ferrand here. And next to that, Bajoli didn't even get second because he spent so much energy chasing people that Roland takes a second spot, Barguil in third, Bajoli in fourth, Bouchard in fifth, and Lafay in sixth. And Milano, the guy that shouldn't be in the race at this point, is seventh. So anyway, GC-wise, no changes. Wout Fanard in first, Cataneo in second on 103. 106 down is Primoz Roglic. We've got Ethan Hater in fourth. And Jonas Vingega in fifth there. The most intriguing parts for me were Jumbo still making such an effort on that final small hit in the descent to try and close down the gap still. I actually don't mind that necessarily because on one end you can say that's an unnecessary attempt to do so. But on the other end, if that breakaway does surplus completely and Wout has an extra stage win perhaps. So there's always that option. But the most intriguing part was in the last three kilometers, with the gap being 40 seconds, Gagan Hart started pacing in the second group for Ethan Hayter. So, does that have an influence on GC when it comes to Ineos? Can we see Ethan Hayter try and go for GC in the coming days instead of Gagan Hart? I don't think so. But I was surprised to see Gagan Hart in a lost scenario that could not go for a statement for Ethan Hayter anymore, still try and pace for Ethan Hayter in the final stretch. I didn't really get that. Stage seven then, that's the next stage, a pure mountain stage. Koldu Galibier starting off 23k at 5.1% to high altitude, 2,625 meters of altitude. Then a descent straight to the bottom of the Col de la Croix de Fer, 29k at 5.1%. A descent once again to Vujani, which is a shorter 5.6k at 7% climb at the end of today's stage. Only 135 kilometers this stage, but what a damn good stage, because if you don't know, in the Tour de France this year, there's a stage very similar to this, but instead of the Vujani climb at the end, it's Albe d'Huez. So this could be a bit of a tryout for a team like Jumbo to see what they can do on a parkour like this, and whether they can pull it towards Roglic on a parkour like this, because this is kind of a blueprint of roughly what that stage in the Tour will look like, but without the Albe d'Huez, which is a pretty big difference, in my opinion. But hey, I think I... Uh, Love this parkour. I would like to see this race in full action tomorrow. Hopefully some big stuff happens. Hopefully some riders drive from on the Galibier or the Quad Affair. I think they will have to go on the Quad Affair actually because if you wait until the Vijani climb and you are behind in GC, then 
I don't know, then you won't get much time back on the likes of Roglic. But Roglic can wait. Roglic is the first one in GC when it comes to the GC riders. So if he gets over that cold luck quad affair with all the other GC riders, he should be safe at the end of today's stage. My winner for this race, on one end I want to say Roglic, but I feel like I want to see Jonas Vingega on this one. Because I feel like Jonas has been very good this week in that first few stages where he ended up doing, I think the Godou stage, for example, Jonas was pacing quite a bit and eventually still had Dwout get to the front again and played a role there and didn't lose time at all on that stage. So I'm going to go for Jonas on this one, perhaps a bit against how the uh, leadership works at Jumbo here in this race, but I'll still do it anyway. Now on to the women's tour, 106 kilometers, last portion of the stage is where it matters, the last 5.2 kilometers at 5.9%, a climbing finish. And... We saw that when the climb started, Ellen Van Dijk was pacing for Trek Sigafredo for her leader Longo Borghini. Grace Brown in the leader shot, still in that group when the climb starts, so she was going to try and survive as much as possible. She had a solid gap on everybody except for Longo Borghini in GC and Nivia Doma, as those were the two companions she finished with in the group yesterday. Now, it looked like Bike Exchange was well represented there with the likes of Kristen Faulkner and Alexander Manley. Manly seemed to be the person they were riding for today. Also, Nivia Domasen in the group, the likes of Mo Mampasio, Veronica Ewers, Rihanna Marcus, and so forth. Becky's story from Cam's Basso, really well written today on this climb, and it just kept on like brewing. Riders by rider, they dropped from that group, and it really uh, was an interesting factor because this climb, the last kilometer was not headwind, all the rest was headwind. So they kind of had to wait to attack until that last kilometer for it to be effective on this parkour and it looked like Alan van Dijk's pull was done a bit too early because Longoborghini attacked before that point but the problem is once you do that you got to keep it going so she got away with the likes of Anivia Doma with the likes of a Faulkner with her and Grace Brown pedaling to their wheel but she can't keep that going there there's headwind there so if she does that she's gonna get beaten on the line so the tempo stalked again and it became a larger group again and that's when Faulkner started riding for Alexander Manley. Grace Brown kept the tempo in between there quite a bit for herself as well. But Kristen Faulkner with really good tempo towards the uh, last kilometer there. Another move by Longo Borghini, but it didn't really go anywhere. Although I think it probably like dropped the likes of Veronica Ewers, like Rihanna Marcus off the back of that six women group. Then Molman was starting to get in trouble. But the last five riders present in the group were Faulkner, Manley, Grace Brown, Nivia Doma, and Longo Borghini. And if that's the case, it all comes down to what happens with Grace Brown and Longo Borghini because yesterday's stage in GC, Grace Brown's start ended with four seconds ahead of Nivia Doma and six seconds on Longo Borghini. So if Longo Borghini wins today's stage, then Grace Brown would have to be third or second on this parkour. If she's lower than third, she's losing the jersey. So a very important finish here. Kristen Faulkner again, keeping up the tempo and actually hurting a lot of people there, but then another move came by Longoborghini in the final stretch. Nivia Doma to the wheel. Looks like Manley was having trouble at the back. Faulkner having trouble at the back. So bike exchange not succeeding. Grace Brown trying to get up there. But it looked like Grace Brown was kind of getting hindered by Faulkner for a bit. She tried to get past. And then she eventually got past. But didn't get to the wheel of Nivia Doma and Longoborghini again. So she was going to have to be third if Longoborghini wins this race. And... That's exactly what happened. Longoborghini wins on the Black Mountain in the women's tour. Nivia Doma comes in second. And Grace Brown finishes third, saving her leader's jersey by a total of zero seconds on Longoborghini. So 
close call for Grace Brown there. Looking at the general classification then, Grace Brown and Dito zero seconds on, Elisa Longoborghini, Nivia Doma on two seconds, Manly in fourth on 20 seconds, Moman on 28 seconds in fifth, and this matters, despite it being a very flat stage tomorrow, completely flat finish, there are intermediate sprints, and intermediate sprints give bonus seconds from three seconds, two seconds, and one second in the order of the riders that cross that line, and honestly, if it comes down to an intermediate sprint deciding the victor of the women's tour, I'm all for it. That would be pretty cool, but hey, it depends on whether there's a breakaway head and so forth. But hey, if I'm one of those teams, like Longoborghini being second in GC, I'm trying to get an intermediate sprint with Longoborghini. Because if that's the case, then you are winning the women's tour. But most likely the stage is going to be won by Wibbers because she's the fastest sprinter on this planet. And there's no competition for her unless she's not in the final end. I think the parkour is not hard enough to drop Lorena Wibbs here. Could be wrong, but that's what I see so far. Finish in Oxford, 142 kilometers, but uh, it's Wibbs time. I can feel it. Anyway, that's about it when it comes to this podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. It's uh, a bit different without Patrick here. Hope he's back very soon. Unfortunate that he can't be here, but he tried his best, okay? Keep remembering that. Anyway, see you on the next Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Goodbye.